Wayne reanimates a billionaire's brain. It's alive! And it's thinking evil thoughts. He has just the life I want. So you've hypnotized my family. I baked you a pie for breakfast, hon. Now it wants to change Wayne's mind forever. My brain will have a new home in Wayne Selinsky's body. Get ready for a head-to-head -head showdown. You want a butt brain matter? I'm ready. Coming up next on Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show. Welcome to a brand new year of Channel KRT and week one of Honey, I Shrunk the Theme Month, where we'll be talking about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show, all month long, baby. Woo! Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the series, the musical, the holiday special on PS4, HD, 3D, and Knuckles featuring Dante from Devil May Cry. Huzzah! <laughs> I'm Tyler the Green that wouldn't die. I'm Kitstery Science Theater 3000, also known as Kit Quinn. I'm Evil Clippy. How can't I help you today? <laughs> I'm Randy. All right, and let's bring in our guest today, who is equally as excited to talk about this show as we are. You know him from Unbuilt, an unrealized theme park podcast, as well as the Twitter feed Open Mother's Mail, spelled M-A-L-E. Please welcome Ryan O'Reilly. Woo! I'm Bing Crosby, ba-ba-ba-boo, for some reason. I don't even know. <laughs> hey, hi. How's it going? Yeah, so great to have you, man. Well, I'm Joan Crawford. We have a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a 30s gangster in the body of a 12-year-old because why the fuck not? Sure. Yay! <laughs> I'm the entire Partridge family. Every single one of them. Yay! I will try not to make as many the brain who couldn't die jokes as possible, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, we, as I mentioned, we are doing a whole month dedicated to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids because there's just way too much to talk about with this show. Oh my god. Okay, so Ryan, uh, do you want to get into your history with it? or? Yeah, sure. So I watched it on the Disney Channel as a kid every afternoon in middle school. Uh, it was on at 3 p.m. every day, come home, and would watch it religiously. It kind of tapped into everything that appealed to me at the time it was goofy weird at times absolutely batshit insane and it wasn't like anything else that i saw on television for some reason it was an hour long uh and <laughs> I, i've never seen like a comedy like that an hour long uh it had bizarre premises but the humor was always just so out there especially on this one we're going to talk about. Yeah. Oh, my God. Jay Gordon Jennings, I really loved. He's not in this episode. Darn. Yeah, he's one of the best characters in this show. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the Jennings we have in this episode is okay, but he's no Bruce Jarchow. Absolutely. Not, yeah. And Peter Scolari, 150% all the time. May rest in peace. Yeah, yeah, that's part of the reason we're doing this is because we really wanted to pay tribute to Peter Scolari because dude was fucking talented. 
Yeah. He really was. He was amazing. Just amazing in everything he was in and Bosom Buddies, New Heart, just... What an incredible actor. And he was a perfect replacement for Rick Moranis. Like, mm-hmm. they, he could have so easily just played it for a paycheck, but he played Wayne Zelensky so goddamn well. I wouldn't have been surprised if they had him just take over the role because, man, he did great. If you've seen him on Newhart, he really is a dead ringer for Rick Moranis. Yeah. But, like, Peter Scolari was one of the deaths in 2021 that really hit me hard because I just wasn't expecting it. I didn't know he had cancer and it really hurt losing him and both Trevor Moore in the span of a few months, you know? Absolutely. And Ed Asner and just a lot of great people this last year. And also, I consider Honey, I Shrunk the Kids the series one of the later seasons of Family Matters, but actually good. Yes. Which is funny because the podcast, The Ride episode that came out yesterday made that exact same comparison (laughs) i mean honey i shrunk the kids has the benefit of being batshit crazy from the get-go it's kind of insulting that family matters started off initially as this show that recounted you know the average life of an african-american family and then it turned into the wacky adventures of this high-pitched asshole and these other people i guess yeah thank you peter scolari for being like the only funny thing in the 2000s. You would think that in a decade where shit after shit after shit was happening and we desperately needed someone to make us laugh, it was probably one of the worst decades for comedy I can think of. Yeah, and on a side note, I just realized that the Polar Express is actually a Bosom Buddies reunion because not only does Tom Hanks play almost every character in it, Peter Scolari did mocap, so... It all connects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was always a, a, a go-to to Tom Hanks because he always showed up for cameos in movies that he was doing. I think one of the last things they did together was a cameo for the 2011 movie Larry Crown that got cut. And he also had a cameo in That Thing You Do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Peter Scolari had so many great credits to his name. You know, he had like New Heart and Bosom Buddies, but he also had some really good cameos on shows like The Nanny. He was in an episode of The Animaniacs, actually. Actually. Oh, really? What was he in the Animaniacs? He was Wilford B. Wolf in one of the Minerva Mink shorts. My, you're oh. acting mighty strange. Maybe tonight's not a good night to take a long romantic walk under the starlight. And he even managed to do Mr. Bill's Real Life Adventures, which is a classic. <laughs> even in Mr. Bill's Real Life Adventures, he's giving it his fucking all despite the shitty script. Which, by the way, we're never talking about Mr. Bill's Real Life Adventures on this podcast. <laughs> Nope. Wink, wink. What I love especially about him as Wayne Zielinski is that he takes the role 100% seriously and plays it to the T. Like, it's never any winky wink, isn't it stupid? Isn't this show stupid? It's so much better when they play it straight. You know, I think Peter Scolari and Leslie Nielsen should have absolutely, like, collaborated in something together because... Peter Scolari, much like him, the best part of his comedy comes from his ability to say the most ridiculous, outlandish shit and play it off so seriously. Absolutely. Although every actor in this show is great, Hilary Tuck is great as a daughter. Yeah, Hilary Tuck is so good in this show because she gets a lot of good fucking snarky lines and stuff. Yes. Yeah. I do have to say, though... One thing I love about teenagers on TV as opposed to teenagers in real life is how teenagers in real life literally never stop fucking swearing 
but on TV they always have to say shit like dweeb or loser or yes or nerd because you can't say fuckwad Friday nights on ABC. <laughs> also, holy shit, John Michael Higgins was in this show? Mm-hmm. Wait, he was? Yeah, he was Arnox in a couple of episodes. Yes, he was. He was the alien. That was him? Yep. Oh shit, yeah. Okay, for for listeners, there's a couple episodes with an alien character. I had a feeling that was him, but I didn't think they'd be able to get him for this show. They fucking did. Holy shit. <laughs> they need him to have him repeat his speech from Walk Hard <laughs> to Wayne. <laughs> and that's not the only good guest star they got on this show. They also got Brian fucking Cranston. Yes. Holy shit. Cheesy measy. This was around the time he was in Malcolm in the Middle. So this would have been the beginning of his career. It was post him on Power Rangers, but pre Malcolm in the Middle, Walter White, all that stuff. When are we going to get Wayne Zielinski starting his own cocaine business? (laughs) (laughs) I guess I got what I deserved. (laughs) Honey, we have to cook. Honey, I am the one who knocks. Honey, I am the one who shrinks. (laughs) (laughs) Right, and speaking of craziness, so this episode... (laughs) Yes. Before we get into the episode, I do want to talk about the theme song. Yeah, that's right. The theme song, by the way, you heard at the start of this episode. The theme song is great. It's like this very Danny Elfman, Simpsons-esque theme. Uh, It's composed by Christopher L. Stone, who many people haven't heard of. So I went on their IMDb and I looked at some of his notable efforts. So you guys are ready to hear some of these? Yes. Yes. Uh, We have Dragon's Lair 1 and 2 and Space Ace. So you did all the music for that. Holy shit. Okay. (laughs) Felix the Cat the movie. (laughs) No fucking way. Wait, I'm on his IMDb. He did Walker, Texas Ranger, and Baby Geniuses. Oh, Uh, God. Oh, shit. He also did uh, the score for Fist of the North Star with Costas Mandylore. Holy shit. Yeah. He's definitely got a style that sounds very similar to both Elfman and Giacchino, and I'm very here for it. Uh, he did the Disneyland 35th anniversary special with the uh, opening t- <laughs> where Cheers, uh, <laughs> Woody and Cheers thinks he, he uh, met a ghost girl in the Haunted Mansion, which is one of my favorites. Yes. Also, Roger Rabbit keeps showing up for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not even in a bunny costume. What the fuck? Yeah. The Stupid starring Tom Arnold. Oh, God. That. Oh, yeah. that's we're, we're talking about that one someday. That's on the list, actually. He did the music for Tailspin. Huh. Wow. Oh, really? A shitload of documentaries, including ones called 101 Things Removed from the Human Body. <laughs> what? Super Surgery, 200-pound tumor. Um. All the sequels to Phantasm, but not the original Phantasm. Okay, sure, why not? Uh, and Haunted Lighthouse 4D, the movie for Bush Gardens and SeaWorld. Catfish <laughs> surprise! I am so glad Podcast the Ride beat us to talking about that, because there's no way we would be able to talk about that Weird Al cameo without having a fucking aneurysm. Yes. The world's most pointless Weird Al cameo. <laughs> How the fuck do you have Weird Al... Christopher Lloyd, Michael McKean, Leah Thompson in the movie together, and he doesn't fucking do anything with them. Just a stuttering and shaking, and that's all he does. Him and Christopher Lloyd are still alive, so there's still a chance. Uh, maybe someday. So the director of this episode is Francis Damberger, 
who also directed a couple of episodes of the Disney show So Weird. So, Ooh, love that show. That is the greatest last name I've ever heard in my life. Yes. Dan Berger. Welcome to Dan Berger, home of, home of the Dan Burger. Can I take your order? I'm Connie Muldoon. I think I know what I'm changing my last name to. <laughs> From now on, I am Randy Dan Berger. <laughs> Yay. So this episode was called Honey, It's a Billion Dollar Brain. So Wayne brings a dead man's brain back to life, hoping to swap scientific ideas for inventions with him. However, the brain begins longing for the life he never had, a happy family. To this end, he, still having his mind stuck in the past, hypnotizes Wayne's family. Diane is turned into a housewife, Amy becomes Swedish, and Nick becomes a punk. And Mr. Jennings becomes a goofy golfer. Also, they try to Coraline Wayne and try to force his brain into Wayne's body. Yeah, they're trying to fucking kill him. Except this isn't as nightmarish, thankfully. Yeah, thank God. (laughs) There's probably like a creepypasta to this, like that one episode of King of the Hill where a guy basically gets mutilated. I love the idea that there's some alternate ending where they successfully switched Wayne's brain or Wayne's just trolling and we may never know. The Lost Honey, I Shrunk the Kids game over screen. Yeah, so, as you can tell by the premise of this episode, and the episode we previously talked about, this show fucking goes places. Yes. The show goes in so many weird places because the whole premise is, okay, let's take this inventor who invented a shrink ray and make a series out of it. Okay, well, why don't we do a whole bunch of inventions? So let's have him invent a time machine. Let's have him invent a brain swapper. Okay, uh, what else? Okay, we can't think of anything else. Let's just do supernatural bullshit. Let's just throw the Yeti in there. The Yeti's in there. Leprechauns, leprechauns are in there. Sure, why not? You know what? Zombies. Zombies are in there. They just go everywhere. (laughs) Witches are fucking in there. Aliens, too, as we mentioned. Aliens? Sure. Multiple aliens. You know what? Let's do multiple different aliens. Wait, what's so far-fetched about witches? This podcast has a witch in it. Yay! It was a different time. And yet, every single thing in this series and every single idea is still better than Nigel Channing. It's true, and you should say it. Nigel Channing is not canon. There are even episodes where Wayne changes the course of history. For example, I shared this on Twitter semi-recently, but there was an episode where you found out Wayne inadvertently caused the Chicago fire. (laughs) (laughs) because he's time traveling and he's in mother o'leary's barn and she thinks he's a witch so she throws a lantern at him right as he poofs away and the barn catches fire and she directly tells the cow that she's gonna blame him this aired on disney channel you guys so the whole mrs o'leary's cow knocked over a lamp and started the chicago fire is actually very widely disputed as the cause of the fire i don't think we really know 100 percent what the cause is but the mrs o'leary's cow rumor actually was um started by and helped contribute to a lot of anti-irish bigotry Woof. so wayne Zelinsky furthered irish american oppression oh goody <sighs> Yeah, Wayne, Wayne. It's easy to say that Wayne has probably ruined a lot of lives in this show inadvertently. Oh, absolutely. Wayne is responsible for the latest uptick in British people getting cyberbullied by Americans. (laughs) 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 Wayne started the whole British people be like, (laughs) but what's all this then? But thankfully, Wayne Zelinsky had nothing to do with 9-11. 
As far as we know, boy. Yeah, that's true. As far as we know. Oh, God. Wayne Zelensky invented the COVID-19 pandemic. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's what he was doing in China. (laughs) COVID was created in a lab in Colorado. (laughs) The fact that both this and South Park take place in Colorado, I would love the idea of somehow they're just in the same universe. (laughs) (laughs) Honey, can we pull up here and get some dinner? Because I like to be wanged and died after I get fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Honey, you killed Kenny. You bastard. (laughs) All right, so. All right, so let's get into the episode. (laughs) Okay, so the episode starts off as normal with Amy trying to talk on the phone, but the family keeps doing a whole bunch of shenanigans and frustrating her. And then Chief McKenna comes in. We haven't talked about Chief McKenna yet because he didn't show up until the second season, actually. That's right. Also, he looks so much like David Arbor. It's distracting. Like, you just know if they remade the show, they'd get him. He looks exactly like you would expect a character named the Chief to look like. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, obligatory ACAB. So he's played by George Buza, and a lot of people don't really know him for this, but a lot of our listeners may know him as the voice of Beast in the X-Men animated series. Yes. I'm sorry, gentlemen. Your anger at the inexorable alienation of late 20th century life is sadly misdirected. Also, they're somehow winning a Family of the Year award. Yeah, what the hell? How? How is this possible? Do you know how much torture they've inflicted upon this town? Diane and Nick have sucked out people's brains in the town. They drugged an entire school with a love potion. They nearly destroyed the world with a virus-infected bear. They turned the town into trash-eating zombies. Nearly destroyed the town with a giant cork. Terrified the town of a dangible horror holograms. Amy nearly destroys the town and claims herself queen when she controls nature. They turn everybody in town in the summoning house with an invention, and they nearly change the course of history multiple times. How? How are they family? Matheson should be kicking these people out. Maybe it's a carry situation, and once they show up to accept the award, all the town's going to start beating the crap out of them. <laughs> That's probably it, yeah. I love how nobody's pointed out the fact that Ryan just said the dog basically becomes a fucking kaiju. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that fucking happens. The second season involves Quark eating some rotten vegetables that make things grow and he becomes a fucking kaiju that's right (laughs) and then the family shrinks in with a shrink ray and one of the few times they actually use it on the show and he turns into a different breed of dog (laughs) they recast the dog for no fucking reason yeah what was up with that (laughs) he goes from a black and white lab to the dog breed that he was in the movies i think jack russell terrier yeah 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 a milo I don't understand that because even if they're trying to explain some continuity, it doesn't make sense because they're going backwards. He was a Jack Russell Terrier in the first movie. I don't know what he was in the second movie, but it just doesn't make any sense. We're thinking way too much about the logic of this fucking show (laughs) that runs on insanity. That dog's a shapeshifter. (laughs) Yeah, Quark's a good boy. Yeah. And then the FBI invades. Yeah, they just fucking break in the Wayne's house. And I do admit, it was great seeing the chief get his ass kicked. Yeah. (laughs) I absolutely love this. It's like, okay, 
So normal family sitcom, normal family sitcom, normal family sitcom. And then the FBI breaks in. Also, Amy has a great line. Should I change my name to Pathetic now or later? And then I call it Loser. (laughs) (laughs) Amy and Nick have the best sibling hatred chemistry because early on, she actually aggressively tries to slap him. Yeah. And she misses. Like, it's actually a pretty realistic, like, sibling rivalry. It's a sibling relationship that's realistic, but it's never mean-spirited, which is nice. But yeah, I mentioned that the chief gets his ass kicked he gets his ass kicked by basically the way of three stooges slapstick (laughs) because one of the fbi agents pulls the old your flies down trick and then fucking stomps on his foot honks his nose and pushes him into the table (laughs) (laughs) although how many times have the selenskis had to replace their furniture because (laughs) at least once every three days yeah question for scientists and inventors everywhere is your salary high enough that you can afford to replace your furniture at least once an episode? <laughs> <laughs> they probably get, like, hush money from the organization just so then they can cover up for all their war crimes. Only I shrunk the kids' drinking game. Take a sip every time there's property damage. <laughs> <laughs> How about take a sip every time there's a fucking war crime? So this episode is basically Frankenstein by way of Coraline. By way of Wolfenstein 2 also. Yeah. Also, I need to say about the chief real quick. I know this show is supposed to take place in Colorado and a lot of wacky shit happens, but the chief has a strong Canadian accent. Yeah. What the fuck's up with <laughs> yeah. that? I mean, don't get me wrong. George Buse's voice is fucking great. It's smooth as butter, but... It looks like it's because the show was filmed in Curry Burak, so... Yeah, but still, like, you could try to disguise that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many American actors have they gotten to do British accents? <laughs> As we'll get into very shortly, actually. So we cut to Gentech, where Wayne has been forcefully brought in by his new boss. W.T. Jennings, I believe this one is. So this is where it gets kind of weird, because sometime in the second season, uh, the original Jennings leaves the show, and they bring in his brother, William Tecumseh Jennings. And then he goes away, and this is the episode where we get introduced to W.T. Jennings, and there's a line where Wayne's like, oh, how was your vacation? And then the new Jennings is like, oh man, it's great. I feel like a new man. So is this supposed to be the second Jennings, but something happened, so he's pretending to be the new Jennings again? It's so weird. I guess Jennings 2.0 died or something, and they just took the next of kin and said, all right, you got to pretend to be the other Jennings. Sorry. Hashtag not my Jennings. Yeah. Hard agree. Like, no disrespect to Kenneth Kimmins. He does a decent job, but he's no Bruce Jarchell. He really isn't. Like, the original Jennings just really got the whole Mr. Burns idea down pat, where he's just the textbook comically horrible boss. Also... I hate that I have to say this, but this Jennings looks remarkably like Michael Eisner. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, it's Lord Farquaad. Honey, hello. And it's also here that we meet Lord Mongo. Yes. Yes. Played by Jim Fife. Uh, Take it away, Ryan. Okay, Lord Mongo. I don't know what Jim Fife is doing, but it is amazing. It's supposed to be... Igor. But they also seem to be doing Igor from Young Frankenstein? Basically. He has a 
fucking Cockney accent. I feel like if Marty Feldman was still alive, they'd so get him to play him. I also love that the guys that are carrying Wayne are listed on IMDb as first beefy man, second beefy man, third beefy man. (laughs) Jim Fife has an uncredited role in Ghostbusters 2 as... One of the Scolari brothers. Holy shit! Oh! Wow! It's all connected, man. And he was in Frighteners, so... <laughs> yeah, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> so Lord Mongo explains that Wayne was specifically requested by Orson Hughes to preserve his brain for a billion dollars. And then we get this really fucking crazy flashback. <laughs> <laughs> like, I fucking love what the 90s and the 2000s thought the 60s were absolutely oh no this was the 70s well close enough (laughs) yeah this was the 70s because wayne is literally driving a fucking volkswagen while he has an afro and there's fucking eight tracks yeah this giant afro (laughs) (laughs) we're supposed to believe that a mid-40s peter scolari is a fucking high school senior hey if they could do it in greece (laughs) i mean i'd like to think that him and barry pearl are equal so Barry Pearl would have made a good Wayne Zielinski, I think. Absolutely. This really is like the 60s and the 70s put into a blender and turned into some disgusting freakish hybrid. (laughs) (laughs) Between Peter Scolari and Barry Pearl, I just think we really love the trope of nerdy dudes in glasses being scientists. Absolutely. Also, speaking of celebrities who are no longer with us, every time they said Orson Hughes, I first misheard it as Orson Welles, and I was like, yeah, actually, he wasn't dead for that long by the time this episode was out, like, only for 14 years. What the fuck? (laughs) I mean, if Honey, I Shrunk the Kids needed an excuse to do a War of the Worlds episode, I don't see why not. (laughs) Wayne traumatizes an entire town with a recording. Again? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in the Fluffy episode, he's given how many kids PTSD? (laughs) Basically just turns into Kingsman. (laughs) (laughs) So Wayne Zielinski is uh, Jack Skellington, basically. Exactly. So this flashback is where we get introduced to Orson Hughes, who promptly hitchhikes with Wayne and basically acts like a fucking homeless guy despite being rich. Yeah. You got cooties, boy? Not that I can see. (laughs) (laughs) He takes Wayne's fucking hairbrush and he says, ooh, this is good. It works on ticks too, so. (laughs) (laughs) He probably hasn't bathed in God knows how long. God damn it, Wayne. And then he fucking steals Wayne's truck because why not? Yeah. Yay. And you get these like weird 90s freeze frame shots of them <laughs> bonding. <laughs> I mean, is he really the first billionaire to LARP being poor just for fun? So this series went from merely, hey, what if we shrunk our kids to, hey, honey, I can create life. Honey, I'm God. (laughs) When are we going to get a Wayne Zielinski and Agatha Vile battle is what I'm asking. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Crab experiments versus fucking everything experiments. (laughs) What if we shrunk the crabs? Well, if we shrunk the crabs, we'd be able to hide them without a problem. And we could hide God knows how many. We could have a million crabs on one body just pinching somebody. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> God damn it. Don't give her ideas. <laughs> we can't shrink the crabs, 
That's how you get crabs. <laughs> <laughs> also, when they're getting ready to bring Orson back to life, I got a huge laugh out of both the suit joke with Mongo as well as the oh light joke. <laughs> Th- those were great. Master, it's a clear night. The kites are ready. No, 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 no. We use computers. And he comes back and he goes, Master, it's a clear night. The computers are ready. <laughs> just doesn't have the same dramatic flourish, does it? Also, we gotta mention the fact that Lord Mongo is really simping for Wayne. Yes. Yes. (laughs) He is. He is just in love with him. Sexual assault. (laughs) When he's literally kissing Wayne's hand, Wayne says, I'm very touched. Really, I'm I'm very touched and, and very wet. (laughs) <laughs> oh good night everybody jesus christ even fucking smithers has some self-restraint this had the disney logo on it everybody i mean they could get away with it because they were airing in syndication before disney but i'm surprised disney didn't have to cut a whole lot from this show yeah <laughs> yeah so orson hughes is a big misogynist <laughs> i mean of course he is He's a billionaire. He basically wants to have this perfect sitcom life. And he's like, I'm going to turn my wife into a fucking 50s housewife. I'm going to turn my daughter into Heidi. And we're going to turn my son into a little rascal. The way he describes the son and the daughter. So the son, he says that he wants a kid tough and tender, but has a great talent for spitting. Ew. I don't like this. He's like thinking of the little rascals when he's like thinking of what he wants the son to be. The son isn't acting like someone from the little rascals. He's acting like a fucking prohibition bootlegger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, Orson is really into that fucking trad wife bullshit because Diane is literally a fucking 60s stereotypical mom. And she can just make a million pies somehow. I was just going to say he's basically a MAGA boomer before there were MAGA movers. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, he is rich. He is basically the Elon Musk of his time. That is true. I feel like Orson Hughes was def- was most likely involved in segregation in the South and would bitch and moan about critical race theory. Also, to explain my uh, Clippy joke in the intro, this brain literally does look like an evil Clippy. <laughs> yeah. The brain fucking grows eyes at one point. Yeah, and let's explain why that happens. Oh, yes. Yes, so it's explained that when he died in 1988, because it was 10 years uh, before this episode aired, his brain was preserved by scientists that came directly from Chernobyl. (laughs) (laughs) Chernobyl happened in this universe. (laughs) We just established the Boston fire happened in the Histic verse. Nothing surprises me anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that's another thing, too. Lord Mongo name drops Martha Stewart at one point. Yeah. Because <laughs> he rearranges the Gentex showroom and he says, Oh, I've just been watching a lot of Martha Stewart lately. <laughs> okay, but where's Snoop Dogg? Randy, remember? He's cameoing with the Muppets. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, and he's uh, being sent to hell by the Orbit Lady. (laughs) (laughs) And also, how the fuck did Amy manage to steal a goat from the zoo? Like, I know that the zoo wasn't likely that secure at the time, but how? (laughs) Did Orson hypnotize them all to just have massive strength and a magical ability? (laughs) 
<laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah, by the way, the chief knows that Amy stole a fucking goat from the zoo and he doesn't fucking do anything about it. <laughs> he doesn't, like, we've been getting a lot of complaints. The zoo said she stole a goat and you're gonna do nothing about this? And let's talk about the fact that they break what I think is a cardinal sin of sitcom writing. They establish that the judges are going to meet with the family while they're hypnotized. And we see none of it. Absolutely. (laughs) Nope. They specifically foreshadow that the judges will be coming later that day and nothing happens. By the time Wayne gets home and everyone's hypnotized, we miss out on everything. The Zelenskys are white. Of course, they're not going to face consequences. Also, Lord Mongo extracts Wayne's thoughts with the fucking colander of life. Yeah, yeah what the hell is that? <laughs> that one... Look like the wish machine from We're Back, a dinosaur story. Like little bubbles. <laughs> And now Randy's just getting flashbacks to Richie Rich's Christmas wish yet again. God fucking damn it. No goddamn escape. (laughs) (laughs) Also, speaking of timely references, Amy name drops Pleasantville, which has Tobey Maguire in it. Yeah. Yeah. We should mention that we're recording this a couple days before No Way Home comes out. So, hi from the past. Hope the movie was great. (laughs) (laughs) I hope instead of Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, Wayne Zelensky shows up and saves the day. (laughs) Peter Scolari filmed it before his death. (laughs) So yeah, as we mentioned, the billion dollar brain of Orson Hughes turns into fucking Clippy and there's moments where the CGI is not that bad. But there's later a scene where you get a side shot of him with the eyes. (laughs) These fucking googly eyes. (laughs) And he has eyebrows for some reason. Late 90s bad CGI, my beloved. (laughs) And there's literally a point in the side shot where the eyes keep fucking moving and they're coming off of the brain. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm assuming they keep switching from what looks like an actually pretty good puppet to this CGI brain. Yeah, because every time he's like hypnotizing someone, he has like those crazy eyes with the little red swirls. So it's literally satanic clippy. (laughs) (laughs) When we talked about Very Merry Muppet Christmas Movie being a very terrible time capsule of the 2000s, this is canceling it out so well, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, I'll say this much. It's basically a sign of how much we've mostly evolved since the 50s. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> also, at one point, one of the computers, when they're working on that little CG thing, I swear to God, that looked like the Jetix logo. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> Also, we need to talk about the fact that Mr. Jennings turns into something out of the fucking Enzite commercials. That's right. Why did he become a golfer? <laughs> he turns into Bean Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> we should preface this by saying that Orson Hughes actually has a pretty skewed view of capitalism because he's still a rich bastard, but he wants bosses to not be assholes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They should be like dads, basically. I agree with him on that. Broken clocks, of course, but why this? I guess he saw Road to Morocco a lot. I don't know. He should have made a Rodney Dangerfield. (laughs) Hey, everybody, we're all gonna get laid. Yay. (laughs) Yeah. I'm all right. Nobody worries about me. (laughs) There's also the fact that Orson Hughes keeps calling Lord Mongo numb nut and not numb nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oster. 
You're starting to worry me. Like I care, numbnut. Was that some weird censorship <laughs> thing? Yeah, like you can say numbnuts, but you have to cut the S out of it? What the fuck? That's the level of how Yeah Baby got cut out of Arthur's Perfect Christmas. Yet they can keep the fucking P scene. Oh yeah, and there is also the fact that they can get away with saying crap on this show. The next episode we're talking about, Nick literally says crap shoot, so... Also, even if she was hypnotized, who the fuck offers to rub their own father's feet? And stick them in goat's milk. <laughs> That was so creepy. <laughs> That's what Orson Hughes wants, which is really creepy. Orson Hughes is on the Epstein flight logs. Change my mind. <laughs> he barely missed it. Is his son Dan Schneider by any chance? Oh, God. <laughs> you know what? I choose to believe Wayne Zielinski was on an Epstein flight, but only to blow it the fuck up. Fuck yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> Everybody died horribly on it. Wayne uses his powers of domestic terrorism for good. Yay! <laughs> He killed him <laughs> Also, they mentioned the fact that Orson Hughes is going through the news of the past 10 years, and he likes light readings such as Cosmopolitan, Girl's Life, and Jack and Jill. Yep, he is totally well-adjusted. Very. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wonder if, if Brian Usna and Stuart Gordon ever watched the show and they were jealous of just how even crazier it could go. Yeah, this went from being created by the guy who wrote fucking Reanimator to this. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's beautiful. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Ryan, speaking of, you actually had a fun fact to mention about who wrote this episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the original writer of this episode, Ed Naha, was one of the co-writers of the f original film, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, shit. So you went from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids to this barrel of insanity. Yeah, I it love it. It explains so much. Oh, yeah, and we forgot to mention that the men in black keep playing horns. Yes, the Ren and Stimpy bump, bump, bump riff. Every time somebody says Orson Hughes' brain. Reanimate Orson Hughes' brain? Stop that. Just stop. Stop. That's I associate that horn sting with Nickelodeon, and it feels so wrong to see it in a fucking Disney property. Yeah. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I, like, apparently they're following Wayne around everywhere to every time. It's not like it's just, oh, we're just hearing it, but it's actually diegetic. They break into Wayne's house so they can hide <laughs> under the table. Uh, and then also another reason you can tell they're brainwashed is that no bird should stay in a cage like that. You're right. I mean, I know people at the time didn't know exactly what kind of cages birds should stay in, but no bird should be living in that tiny cage. <laughs> exactly. That's a travel cage. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that Amy broke into a fucking zoo and stole a <laughs> yeah, goat. Yeah. <laughs> Just, like she literally had to walk that goat out somehow in the middle of the day you can't shrink it well she could shrink it if she wanted to but then she'd have to carry the fucking shrink ray yeah here's a question are you gonna fight her no no i am not exactly <laughs> no one's gonna try she probably has super strength and she'd probably crush my head so <laughs> <laughs> if i literally saw an old-fashioned swedish goat herder at the zoo, just up and grab a goat and leave. I'm not interfering. I'm terrified. 
So they all corner Wayne and start planning to insert Orson into Wayne's body, and then they basically make it like that scene in the SpongeBob movie with Squidward. All hail Plankton! We kind of scraped the surface about what happens to Nick in this episode, but I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. He's a 30s ragamuffin who keeps asking his dad if he wants to wrestle. Yeah, there's this one scene where they're like teleconferencing with Orson Hughes, who telekinetically calls them on the phone. And they're all standing around, like talking about their plan to put Orson Hughes' brain in Wayne. And then Nick goes, Hey, uh, Pa, can I play with the old brain? <laughs> what are you going to do what with the it? Fuck? Also, I love the bit where Diane's like, Take your father's hat. And then Wayne's like, I don't have a hat. And then Nick takes off his hat and puts it on Wayne and then removes it. <laughs> that was a good joke. <laughs> also, I forget the exact line, but there's a moment when Wayne first notices Diane as the housewife and he's very specifically horny. I know there's something you could do to please your husband. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. I'll show you a pie. <laughs> and also, when Orson is finally defeated, he goes Hal 9000 and starts singing as he dies. Yeah, so there's a little bit of foreshadowing because Wayne brings up a specific invention of his, the Neuron Nudger, and he eventually breaks it out so that he can basically kill the brain. Sounds like you're talking about the brain from Pinky and the Brain. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do tonight, Wayne? <laughs> well, it's the same thing we do every night. Pinky, are you pondering what I'm pondering? I think so, Brain, but how can a jar of honey shrink some kids? (laughs) (laughs) I think so, Brain, but how can a bear come to life and destroy the world? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing. All of these could be Pinky and the Brain Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) We deserve to cross over. (laughs) This show is basically live-action Simpsons meets Pinky and the Brain meets Jimmy Neutron, and I fucking love it. Meets the Geneva Convention. (laughs) (laughs) I'm amazed they never once did a Disneyland crossover, especially to promote Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. Wayne goes the Epcot? Yes! Did you know that um, when we went in 2001, we went with my grandparents, and um, my mom and my grandma went on it when we were in Epcot, and my grandma had a severe snake phobia. Oh, oh no. no. They didn't know there was going to be a snake on there. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame her. That CG in that show is scary. I can only imagine the sheer amount of PTSD that fucking ride gave her. I wonder if the original movie was made by a horror director. <laughs> Speaking of the Disney parks in Disney's Hollywood studios, a poster of this show hung next to the entrance of the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movie playground attraction for the entirety of the show's run. And then somebody forgot to take it down. So it's it was there all the way until the attraction closed in 2016. I mean, you could kind of justify it by saying that the show had a brief resurgence in the early 2010s because of the hub. But after 2004, Phil of the Future was already a thing. Nobody really remembered this show. So why keep it up? I don't know. I would like to personally thank the hub for not only introducing me to the worst fandom that ever existed on the internet besides Italia. <laughs> But also introducing me to Step by Step. Wait, what's Step by Step? Ah, beats me. <laughs> so, Lord Mongo is just automatically off the hook. <laughs> yeah, they insinuate that the three guys and Lord Mongo had been hypnotized, which doesn't make much sense because he was only able to hypnotize when he was 
rejuvenated? Yeah, I'm convinced Lord Mongo was just putting on an act just so he could get out of getting his ass kicked. He was trolling. (laughs) (laughs) Which he should have, by the way. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) And then Jennings takes away Wayne's fucking rays. Despite being a fucking victim in all this? Yeah. Fuck you. He sh- he, Wayne should have fucking let you die, motherfucker. Yeah. Give Wayne and his family the fucking money. You promised him it. And it's not Jesus. his fault he got fucked over. <laughs> Where's H. Gordon Jennings when you need him for fuck's sake? He probably would do this, but at least when he did it, he'd be funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, also, I just love that Wayne is just like, you gotta return the goat, Amy. Oh, just <laughs> apologize. They'll accept it. <laughs> oh, yeah. We forgot to talk about the fact that Diane fucking quit her job as a lawyer. Good Yeah. <laughs> so Wayne's like, oh, it's okay, honey. You can just tell work you were delirious. They'll buy it. I don't think that's how that works. I'm not a lawyer, but... I'm pretty sure her career is fucking destroyed now. Like, work is that fucking soulless. They will happily cut anybody unless they absolutely need them back. And sadly, that's rarer than you think. Wayne refuses to even explain it to them. He just says, you know, they're like, what are we doing? And he's like, chalk it up to silly season. And (laughs) you know what? I I actually think he makes the right choice here. (laughs) Because try explaining any of this why would i want to relive that it would be a huge fucking pepe sylvia situation except somehow even crazier also speaking of loose ends the family fucking wins the best family competition somehow how despite everything just even with all the crimes they committed under hypnosis just Sure. Maybe you guys are right, and it is a carry situation, and they're about to get beaten the hell up right now. <laughs> you know what? Maybe it is a Ben Stiller comedy. <laughs> yeah, because when the chief comes in and says, oh man, you guys are really going to be famous. I don't think it's the good kind of famous. <laughs> they're probably going to be fucking probed by the FBI. They're probably going to be probed by just everybody in sight. Wayne's going to be sent to Gitmo now. <laughs> then he and diane are gonna get divorced (laughs) all right so that was honey i shrunk the billion dollar brain and holy fucking shit what a keep the tapes oh man i think i liked the fluffy episode a little more but this was still very solid and it had a lot of great performances in it and Mm -hmm. at the least i think i would have probably liked it a little more if it was a little less predictable but it was still beautifully yeah. insane, so yes, keep the tapes. Keep these fucking tapes. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> no elaborating, just keep the goddamn tapes. Just fucking keep it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> keep all 66 episodes on the tapes, please. Yes. yes. So good, insane, perfect. And uh, what can you say when you have the performances of Jim Fife and Orson Hughes as the billion dollar brain you you can't go wrong it's not as good as the fluffy episode i agree with yeah but it is easily among the top five craziest batshit things i've ever seen on television absolutely also put it on disney plus already yes hashtag put honey i took the kids a tv show on disney plus if they take this show off of archive.org the only answer i will accept is because it's going on disney plus and it better go on disney plus because all four of us are very strong proponents of putting this goddamn show on disney plus where the public can see it 
I mean, we managed to get Adventures in Wonderland on Disney+, Plus, so who knows? <laughs> yeah, that was a miracle right there. All right, so Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. It's, it's such a pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, is there anything you want to plug? Yeah, so I have a podcast called Unbuilt, an Unrealized Theme Park Podcast, where we take a look at unbuilt themed attractions in themed entertainment that goes from Disney to Universal and beyond. We are going to be doing our very first series when this episode comes out on the Frontierland expansions that never were. So where Galaxy's Edge currently is, uh, we're going to explore all of the ideas they had for that exact space. Um, so I hope you guys check that out and it'll be running through January and February. I highly recommend the Space Pavilion episodes and the Never Built Haunted Mansion episodes because there's just so much to talk about with all these beautiful fucking ideas that never got made. Yes, oh my god. And hell, there's ideas that I heard on the podcast that I didn't even know. Some pretty terrifying stuff. Yeah. Fuck yes. <laughs> all right. As always, you can find me on Twitter at TylerFG, Instagram at TylerFG96. You can find the show on Twitter at channel underscore KRT, channel KRT podcast, all one word on Instagram. We have our Discord server and our Facebook group in our link tree in our bio. And if you want to help support us, you can find us on Patreon where we have exclusive minisodes, outtakes, and episodes of this very podcast one day early. And thank you so much to Chris Reyna and Gomer for pledging to us at the $10 level. All right. And you can find me over on Mission Breakout on Discord. You can find me on various episodes of Escape from Vault Disney, The Emperor's New Podcast, Podcast Without a Cool Acronym. You can find me on Twitter at Mission Breakout and all the usual outlets. And you can find me still having Fluffy's corpse in my closet. No, he's not coming back. <laughs> good. Oh, about that kid. About that kid. Um, I ate him. Yo, yay! That's good. <laughs> How was he, Randy? He was delicious, actually. Um, Very, very earthy taste. You know, very nice crunchy texture yeah he was delicious um i did break into kit's house and sneak into her closet specifically to do this so yeah fluffy's dead why didn't you see me <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you see what i want to know is how were you able to digest all those nuclear weapons she has nuclear powers like uh orson hughes <laughs> Don't you remember the time you guys, like, had to go looking for me in Chernobyl and you found me chowing down on the elephant's foot? Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) I was not sober when that happened, so I'm really blanking on that. Sorry. (laughs) None of us were. (laughs) (laughs) That was a wild two weeks. Agreed. But yeah, Fluffy's dead. He's not coming back. Uh, He's gone for good because I ate him. Uh, you can find me at Cosmic Rewind on Twitter. Replace the E with the three. You can find me on uh, all the aforementioned podcasts that Kit mentioned. And you can find me by the username Dale Earnhardt's Fursona on YouTube and TikTok. Alrighty. Honey, I shrunk the theme month. Cut to static. <laughs>